I would bring back waterboarding, and I'd bring back a hell of a lot worse than waterboarding. Yes, you would. And yes, you might. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. It is. Nice. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK, 90.7 FM in LA, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and in Cottage Grove on Queso, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, in Palinville, New York on WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices channel. Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Detour Talk, and many other fine affiliates across this planet Earth, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all around swell fellow, says me, says... Uh, Says me and says uh, the at the end of the show, uh, yesterday's show, we <laughs> had a, a, a yes. somebody who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate, yeah. left a nice note, yes. and called me a swell fellow. Well, there you go. Uh, that uh, person also said that uh, the show is fun. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad somebody's having fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I know. And just because he said that, let me ruin it by talking about torture a little <laughs> bit today, shall we? All right. First, and of course, that's Desi Doyen. Hi, Des. Hi. Say hello to the people. I am here. All right. Yes. There we go. Uh, I wanted to, um, you know, uh, a, a lot of uh, media outlets, they uh, make corrections to stories. They bury them at the end of the story or at the end of the show. We like to put our corrections up front. If you listen to this show, you know that we like to, when we make a mistake, we like to admit to it right off the bat. Well, in this case... We didn't really make a mistake, so to speak. One of my guests did, and even she did not really make a mistake. She was basing her comments off of a report that a lot of folks have been citing of late over at ProPublica regarding torture. And so I want to sort of correct the record here. We spoke with Marcy Wheeler a few days ago, national security journalist, and she talked about the waterboarding of Abu uh, Abu Zubaydah uh, that was overseen by Gina Haspel or said to have been overseen by Gina Haspel. Gina Haspel is the deputy chief of the CIA, and she has been nominated by Donald Trump to become the director of the CIA, with Donald Trump taking the current director of the CIA, Mike Pompeo, and moving him over to Secretary of State to take the place of Rex Tillerson, who he fired a few days ago. 
So we were talking about Gina Haspel and her uh, role in torture during the George W. Bush administration. And uh, Marcy Wheeler had cited the fact that Abu Zubaydah had been waterboarded 83 times. Now, to be clear, waterboarding is torture. It has been found to be torture over and over again uh, across the globe. There is no actual debate about this other than a few uh, George W. Bush, Dick Cheney dead enders in this country. But the fact is, waterboarding is torture. Zubaida was uh, tortured 83 times by waterboarding. And Marcy, uh, citing this report from ProPublica, had said that uh, Gina Haspel, the nominee to head the uh, to, to head the CIA, ran the secret prison, the black site in Thailand in 2002 when Zubaida was tortured with waterboarding. Now, uh, that was based on the ProPublica report, which issued on Thursday night a big correction to their story. So let me go to that. On February 22nd, 2017, this according to the editor-in-chief, Stephen Engelberg, Engelberg over at ProPublica, on uh, February 22nd, 2017, ProPublica published a story that inaccurately described Gina Haspel's role in the treatment of Abu Zubaydah a suspected al-Qaeda leader who was imprisoned by the CIA at a secret black site in Thailand in 2002. The story said that Haspel, a career CIA officer who President Trump has nominated to be the next director of Central Intelligence, oversaw the clandestine base where Zubaida was subjected to waterboarding and other coercive interrogation methods that are widely seen as torture. The story also said she mocked the prisoner's suffering in a private conversation. Neither of those assertions is correct, and we retract them, says ProPublica. It is now clear that Haspel did not take charge of the base until after the interrogation of Zubaida had ended. They write, our account of Haspel's action was drawn in part from declassified agency cables and CIA-reviewed books, which referred to the official overseeing to the official overseeing Zubaida's interrogation at a secret prison in Thailand as the quote chief of base. The books and the cables redacted the name of the official, as is routinely done in declassified documents. Uh, referring to covert operations, the Trump administration has named Haspel to the uh, c to the CIA's number two job. Uh, back in February of 2017 and soon after, three former government officials told ProPublica that Haspel was chief of base in Thailand at that prison at the time Zubaida's, uh, of Zubaida's waterboarding. But that, ProPublica says, is not true. They also found other information along those lines, an online posting from John Kiriakou, a former CIA counterterrorism officer who wrote that, quote, it was Haspel who oversaw the staff at the Thai prison, including two psychologists who, quote, designed the torture techniques and who actually carried out torture on the prisoners. They note the nomination of Haspel. This past week, to head the CIA has stirred new controversy about her role in the detention and interrogation of terror suspects, as well as the destruction of videotapes of the interrogation of Zubaida and another suspect. Some critics cited the 2017 ProPublica story as evidence that she was not fit to run the agency. Now, um, they have corrected that. 
She was not, in fact, there when Abu Zubaydah was tortured, but she did serve as chief of the of, of base in Thailand at this prison. She did not arrive until later in 2002, after the waterboarding of Zubaydah had ended. She came after Zubaydah, who had been waterboarded 83 times. She came after that, but before another prisoner, Abda al-Rahim al-Nashira, was waterboarded at that prison, tortured at that prison by waterboard three times. So Haspel was there when, in fact, this other prisoner was tortured by waterboarding. ProPublica also uh, says they stand by their reporting that Haspel oversaw that torture at the prison and led the destruction of the videotaped evidence of the torture sessions uh, between uh, uh, of al-Nashir and of Zubaydah. Come and she, in fact, came up with the method used to destroy those videotapes of that torture. So um, and so to be clear here, as Eric Umansky, ProPublica's deputy managing editor, tweeted on Thursday night after the correction was issued, uh, he said a few things about Gina Haspel. We were wrong. She didn't oversee torture of Abu Zubaydah. She did oversee the CIA dark prison and the torture of another detainee. She was involved in destroying tapes of torture as well. So of their three different yeah. things, they're only retracting that one part. Uh, that one part and the other about her uh, making um, uh, disparaging comments about the guy who was being tortured. Apparently that was done by whoever, and I don't think we know yet, who the other chief of base was. Before she that, got there, right, yeah. Right. But this is important. Because I think it's going to be very easy now uh, for fans and apologists of torture and fans and apologists of Donald Trump, who loves torture, by the way, to dismiss the reports of Gina Haspel's direct involvement in torture and the destruction of evidence of torture. It's going to be easy for them to dismiss it now as if it was fake news when it is decidedly not fake news. So I, you know, I want to focus on this point because this is important. Gina Haspel will be coming up for uh, review, her, her uh, confirmation hearings in the U.S. Senate. She still has to be confirmed into this role. And from everything that we know, including this correction by ProPublica, Gina Haspel is a torturer. That would make her a war criminal. And so make no mistake this is still a very serious thing. And make no mistake, Donald Trump is very much in favor of torture. Here's a, a, a clip of Donald Trump at uh, February. I think this was February 2016. Yes, during the presidential campaign. During the campaign. one of the de Was this one of the debates, I think? Yes. Uh, here's what Donald Trump had to say about waterboarding and torture. Well, I'll tell you what. In the Middle East, we have people chopping the heads off Christians. We have things that we have never seen before as a group. We have never seen before. Not since medieval times have people seen what's going on. I would bring back waterboarding, and I'd bring back a hell of a lot worse than waterboarding. Mr. Trump, thank you. So he would bring back waterboarding, which is torture, and he would bring back a hell of a lot worse than waterboarding. And he admitted as much. And now... He has nominated someone who oversaw waterboarding and torture and the destruction of evidence for those crimes. 
he has now nominated her to become um, the uh, the chief of the Central Intelligence Agency, which oversaw that torture during the George W. Bush regime. Federal prosecutors in Munich, Germany, are currently reviewing a request to issue an arrest warrant for Gina Haspel, Trump's recently named nominee to head the CIA. Haspel currently serves as the deputy director for the CIA. Uh, and uh, as Law and Crime notes, uh, this is Colin Kalmbacher at uh, Law and Crime. Uh, she must still be approved by the U.S. Senate. But this is as Germany is considering a request to issue an arrest warrant for her. Haspel's tenure as chief of base at the secret CIA prison in Thailand and what she did while serving in that role is the subject of the arrest warrant request in Germany. They explained that on June 6, 2017, the European Center for Constitutional and Human Rights, that's the ECCHR, initiated a request for legal action against Haspel by filing an intervention with the German federal public prosecutor, the foremost law enforcement authority in Germany. The office is currently head by, uh, led by the Attorney General Peter Frank. ECCHR's legal intervention was made by way of a six-page document titled CIA Torture Submission on Gina Haspel to German Federal Prosecutor, Immediately after they submitted their uh, request, Frank's office confirmed that this request was received and was being formally reviewed. Now, this came, this was June last year. This was after Haspel was uh, put in place to be the uh, deputy chief of the CIA. And according to the German public broadcaster Deutsche Welle, the investigation into those formal charges for Haspel is presently ongoing. The uh, human rights group's request is based on the alleged violation of the European Convention on Human Rights, Article 3. This article prohibits torture and, quote, inhuman or degrading treatment or punishment, unquote. There are no recognized exceptions or limitations on the right not to be subject to torture under this section. In a statement, uh, ECCHR's general secretary said those who commit, order, or allow torture should be brought before a court. This is especially true for senior officials from powerful nations. The prosecutor must, must, under the principle of universal jurisdiction, open investigations, secure evidence, and seek an arrest warrant. If the deputy director travels to Germany or to Europe, she must be arrested. Again, this is not optional. Under the treaties that are uh, that are also signed, not just by Europe, but by the U.S. We are a party to these same treaties. The Convention Against Torture and Other Cruel, Inhuman or Degrading Treatment or Punishment was a treaty that was brokered under Ronald Reagan. And in 1988, May 20, 1988, Ronald Reagan... King Reagan wrote a, uh, a letter to the U.S. Senate when he was uh, hoping that they would approve this treaty, that they would uh, confirm this treaty in the U.S. Senate. 
He said in the letter, uh, in part, uh, to the United uh, to the Senate of the United States, uh, the United States participated actively and effectively in the negotiation of the convention. It marks a significant step in the development during this century of international measures against torture and other inhuman treatment or punishment. Torture, he describes as an abhorrent practice, unfortunately still prevalent in the world today. Each state party, he notes is required under this uh, convention either to prosecute torturers who are found in its territory or to extradite them to other countries for prosecution. By giving its advice and consent, Ronald Reagan wrote, President Reagan wrote, by giving its advice and consent to ratification of this convention, the Senate of the U.S. will demonstrate unequivocally our desire to bring an end to the abhorrent practice of torture. That was President Ronald Reagan in May of 1988, sending uh, this letter requesting that the U.S. Senate ratify this treaty, which the U.S. Senate did. Under I think it was under George H.W. Bush. It was after Reagan had left office. But um, they did so. The U.S. is a party to that treaty. This is not optional. You must either uh, prosecute torturers or extradite them to some other country that is a party to this treaty that will uh, prosecute the torturers. Nonetheless, the CIA's torture program, uh, which has been admitted, it was admitted to by former President Barack Obama, who admitted that we did this, it was admitted to by Obama, by various high-level officials and whistleblowers and uh, participants in an official U.S. government, uh, several U.S. government reports. It was initially denied, of course, the torture program's existence at all and Haspel's role in the program. But those are now a matter of public record and uh, a matter of public interest to Germany and others in Europe. In 2005, at a time when both members of Congress and terrorism defendants were asking for evidentiary materials relating to torture, Haspel was the one who drafted the cable ordering the destruction of videos of the treatment of Nashiri, the waterboarding of Nashiri, and still more incendiary ones uh, depicting Zubaida's torture. Her boss, Jose Rodriguez, described in his memoirs about what happened back in 2005 when she wrote these cables calling for this evidence to be destroyed. He wrote the cable left nothing to chance. It even told them how to get rid of the tapes. They were to use an industrial strength shredder to do the deed. So, uh, again, torture is illegal, period, under a whole bunch of international pacts and treaties to which the U.S. is bound as a party. It's also illegal under U.S. domestic law. And yet, in 2009, to his eternal shame, then-President Barack Obama, who admitted we had done it, he announced a, a sort of a blanket immunity for any and all of the U.S. officials who were engaged in the Bush administration torture program. But while the legality of that order is in question, he, Barack Obama does not have the right to just sort of issue blanket immunity. I don't believe he made it an official pardon or anything. He just basically said, we're not going to prosecute these torturers. 
Nonetheless, that does not release other parties to those torture conventions, those torture treaties, from their duties. In fact, according to those treaties, if the nation harboring those who committed the torture do, do, do not bring that torturer to justice, it is the requirement of other countries, a party to that treaty, to take action under it. So if Haspel is confirmed by the U.S. Senate, uh, we will likely have, as the head of the CIA, the head of the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency, someone who cannot even travel to Germany or elsewhere in Europe without facing the threat of potential arrest when she arrives there. That, by the way, is why George, uh, George W. Bush and Dick Cheney don't really travel anywhere outside the U.S. Uh, in general. Because they, too, could be arrested uh, where they go under these treaties that we signed, that Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush uh, fought so hard for. I don't understand how we could possibly confirm someone uh, to that role, given her track record, given her record, and, of course, given Donald Trump's call for, uh, let's have more torture or worse. So, uh, again, to be clear, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, ProPublica, they did uh, correct and retract a number of their claims, but not all of their claims. And it would be really nice if the U.S. Senate and the American people actually knew what part this woman played in actual torture before they, she is nominated, before she is confirmed as the uh, next chief of the uh, of the CIA to that end Senator Dianne Feinstein on Thursday called on the CIA to release documents related to CIA director nominee Gina Haspel's involvement in the agency's torture program she writes in a letter to the uh, current CIA director Mike Pompeo as we move forward with with the nomination process for Ms. Haspel my fellow senators and I must have the complete picture of Ms. Haspel's involvement in the program in order to fully and fairly review her record and qualifications Feinstein said I also believe the American people deserve to know the actual role the person nominated to be the director of the CIA played in what I consider to be one of the darkest chapters in American history. Feinstein herself played a key role in publicizing the CIA's torture practices, uh, and, and which is something that we talked about with uh, Marcy Wheeler on this show. Feinstein was kind of heroically... Uh, worked on this uh, this report by the um, Senate Intelligence Committee for years, outlining the gruesome tactics that the CIA used to interrogate terror suspects and concluded that the tactics were not effective in gaining any information. So they were both gruesome and they didn't even do what they uh, were, were supposed to do, which is get information from these people who were tortured. They were not only gruesome, they were not only ineffective, they were strictly illegal. And that too. Feinstein uh, originally blocked Haspel's promotion to lead the CIA's clandestine operations back in 2013 due to uh, Haspel's involvement in the torture program. But when Haspel was first uh, nominated to lead the CIA... A few days ago, Feinstein praised Haspel's work as deputy director, 
but added she had not yet decided whether she would support Haspel's confirmation. We talked about this again with Marcy Wheeler. Both of us were sort of gobsmacked that Feinstein was even considering uh, uh, approving the nomination, voting in favor of Haspel in the U.S. Senate, given everything that Feinstein knows about this and all of the uh, classified information that she's seen that was not declassified. She fought to declassify a whole lot of it, but there's a lot more that we don't know that Feinstein does. And she blocked Haspel back in 2013. Then all of a sudden she's talking about, well, I find her very nice. Maybe she'll be fine. Well, now uh, she got Feinstein got a lot of blowback from that, deservedly so. And uh, so the very next day, DiFi ended up calling for the release of the documents detailing Haspel's uh, record at the CIA. I hope that information is released. Because in the meantime, you've got folks like Liz Cheney, the daughter of Dick Torturer-in-Chief Cheney, who's now a congresswoman from uh, Wyoming. She is. Liz is, not Dick. Uh, she also blocks me on Twitter, so it's hard for me to follow exactly what Liz Cheney is saying. I don't know when she... I only noticed yesterday that she was blocking me uh, when uh, someone had responded to her about apparent comments that Liz Cheney was making about torture. And uh, I had to f get somebody else to let me know what the hell it was that Liz Cheney was saying, but here's what she was saying in a tweet. Quote, the enhanced interrogation program, that's what she calls it, Instead of the torture program, the enhanced interrogation program, says Liz Cheney, saved lives, prevented attacks and produced intel that led to Osama bin Laden. The techniques were the same as those used on our own people in the uh, SEER program. No one should slander the brave men and women who carried out this crucial program, says Liz Cheney. Every single sentence she said there is a lie. Everything. No, it did not save lives. There is no evidence that it prevented any attacks. It uh, didn't produce the intelligence that led to Osama bin Laden. It is lie, lie, lie. And this is a uh, this is a sitting congresswoman now, Liz Cheney. And no, no one slanders brave men and women who carried out this crucial program by calling them criminals and torturers, which is what they are. And as far as using those on our own people in the SEER program, as if it was, oh, uh, what is SEER? Do you remember what it stands Seer for? SEER stands for Survival, Evasion, Resistance, and Escape. So that's the program uh, that uh, they teach people. They use waterboarding, but not to torture them. They use them to it, help it, them understand how to survive waterboarding, yes, right? Yes, it inoculates Air Force pilots who may be downed behind enemy lines to teach them how to right. survive, evade, resist torture, and escape. And so, uh, you know, and and those people, when they are uh, made familiar with those techniques, they're not uh, required to undergo it for lengths, as we did to the people that we were torturing. So to say, oh, this we just do this to our own people all the time. Liz Cheney is a terrible person, and, uh, and even, she's lying. Yeah, she's a lying, and she's a terrible person. John Weaver, the GOP political strategist uh, for John McCain and for Ohio Governor John Kasich, among others, uh, responded to her, and that's where I even figured out she had made these comments again. She said, I, "I understand." Weaver said, "I understand you are defending your father's record and viewpoint, but the facts are clear. What you stated isn't true, and America is better than this, Liz." Not sure that we are. 
He added, truly a dark chapter in American history and not slander, but truth. Deal with it and move on, says John Weaver. Now, uh, Des, you said, because you're not blocked by Dick, uh, by uh, Liz Cheney, that apparently this was in response to something that John McCain had said? Yes, it was in response to John McCain saying this is bad, and then Liz Cheney had her little tweet. And so John McCain's daughter, Megan McCain, said, Liz Cheney, my dad does not need you to explain torture to him. He actually lived through his own torture yes. during Vietnam, during his years of imprisonment during the Vietnam War. And so now you've got Liz Cheney explaining this to John McCain. Here's what actually McCain had said. He said the torture of detainees in U.S. custody during the last decade was one of the darkest chapters in American history. He did not say the enhanced interrogation of those detainees, the torture of those detainees in U.S. custody. He said the Senate must do its job in scrutinizing the record and involvement of Gina Haspel in this disgraceful program. John McCain is right on the money. So, uh, you know, I, I, I noticed after I started looking into this last night, nobody is currently uh, uh, running. Nobody is currently filed to run against uh, Liz Cheney for Wyoming's only U.S. House seat in 2018. So it would be nice if a Democrat stepped up to do that. They only have one House seat. Liz Cheney is the one who occupies it. And she loves torture. Might be nice if a Democrat uh, stepped up to run against her or even a Republican to primary the queen of torture in the U.S. House. All right. Quick break. We'll try to cheer up. Uh, OK, that was the <laughs> darkest part of the show, I think. Yeah. I think. Uh, we'll try to find something to uh, cheer me up anyway uh, after this break. But I wanted to be clear on that record. All right. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Don't touch that dial. Five major corporations now control more than 80% of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. Not us. We will never lie to you here on the Bradcast. Welcome back to it. I'm Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Um, you know who does lie? Well, here, you know, I don't like to um, uh, to cover rumors, and uh, I also don't like to cover Bill Crystal. <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, because for, for a number of reasons. One, he's always wrong. He has a history of being wrong about pretty much everything for years and years. Now he's come around in that he's uh, an anti-Trump guy in theory. Uh, he's a Republican, uh, but he, he's, he's an anti-Trump guy, a never-Trump guy. But he's, you know, he's still kind of always wrong. And plus, I don't like to report rumors. Nonetheless... Bill Crystal has some rumors that he's reporting on Twitter, and um, he says, uh, quote, this is room int, which means rumor intelligence, but he says pretty credible room int. 
He tweeted on Thursday, uh, Trump preparing to fire Jeff Sessions, naming Scott Pruitt as the acting attorney general, which he can do, uh, which he can be since he already holds a Senate confirmed position. And Pruitt fires Mueller as AG, and then McMaster is likely to be play, to be replaced by John Bolton, and Shulkin also out of the way. He's uh, Shulkin is the head of the, uh, of the, ver- uh, the veterans veterans administration. administration, right? Uh, the key place there, uh, two two key points there. Uh, one, of course, McMaster uh, and the possibility that he'll be replaced by crazy man John Bolton, who, as uh, Marcy Wheeler said the other day, would would be in charge of nuking Korea, North Korea. Um, But the idea that uh, he might fire Jeff Sessions and put the uh, EPA chief, Scott Pruitt, into Mueller's uh, Sessions role, uh, which he can do without having to get confirmation by the U.S. Senate because he has already been Senate confirmed for his job at EPA. For a cabinet position, therefore he can move laterally. uh, At least to be the acting to yes. have the acting title. And with that acting title of attorney general, he'd be able to fire Mueller at that point. Now, again, remember, Bill Crystal is always wrong. He's always wrong about everything. And so as troubling as that uh, prospect sounds, uh, maybe we should all feel better because Bill Crystal said it might happen, <laughs> which means that it probably won't. Keep your fingers crossed because those are all very disturbing developments yep. if they were to happen. Yep. And they could happen at any time before we go off the air. I don't think Donald Trump has yet fired anybody today, but the day is still young. This comes at a time that special counsel Robert Mueller uh, is has reportedly subpoenaed the Trump organization itself. That is a, uh, as Bloomberg descri- uh, describes, Bloomberg News describes a, uh, a a line that President Donald Trump had set out early in the investigation as a red line. He said that, uh, you know, you can investigate Russia, but you can't investigate me and my business dealings and the Trump organization along those lines. Now, the breadth of the subpoena that uh, was reported by The New York Times is still unknown. It's unclear exactly what it is they're subpoenaing from the Trump organization. But Trump has suggested that he views his real estate business as beyond the purview of Mueller's investigation. Bloomberg says the development triggers new concerns that Trump, who is in the midst of a high-level staff shakeup, may try to oust Mueller, which could set off a political crisis in Washington and perhaps even a constitutional struggle. Trump has never said explicitly that he would fire Mueller if the prosecutor went after Trump's finances, but... Asked by the New York Times last July uh, whether that would be a red line, Trump replied, I think that's a violation. Look, this is about Russia, he said. Actually, no, Mr. President, it's about you and whether you committed any crimes in your dealings with Russia and in your attempt to block the investigation into your dealings with Russia. So um, all of this remains to be seen, but uh, it remains very troubling at this hour, Uh, (laughs) at least for me, uh, even with Bill Kristol's comments, uh, that that could happen. Just wanted to get that on record for now, because at this point, Trump could do anything. Trump will do anything. He will say anything. He will do anything. We got more evidence of that. uh, uh, Just a day or so ago, um, because, you know, he's nuts. He, he will do what he damn well wants. He thinks he can get away with anything, 
and that nobody can or will stop him, which, by the way, might be true. He is even willing now to admit to being a huge liar. He's, as a matter of fact, he's bragging about being a huge liar. You probably heard this story, but I think it's of note um, for several reasons, including the way the media is now dealing with Donald Trump. I found this striking and, uh, frankly, refreshing the way uh, Washington Post reported on this piece that was filed very late on Wednesday night for Thursday's paper. Uh, They reported that President Trump had boasted in a fundraising speech on Wednesday that he made up information in a meeting with the leader of a top U.S. ally, saying that he insisted to Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau that the U.S. runs a trade deficit with Canada without knowing whether or not that was actually true. Donald Trump was bragging about this. Here's uh, the quotes from Washington Post, who had uh, audio, who received audio tapes of this fundraiser in uh, in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I may have had some family members at that fundraiser. I haven't confirmed it with them, but uh, it's very possible. Anyway, <laughs> but I digress. Uh, here's what uh, apparently Trump said, according to these tapes. Uh, Trudeau came to see me. He's a good guy, Justin. He said, "No, no, we have no trade deficit with you. We have none." Donald, please, Trump said, mimicking Trudeau, according to audio obtained by The Washington Post. Nice guy, good looking guy comes in. Donald, we have no trade deficit. He's very proud because everybody else, you know, we're getting killed. So he's proud. I said, wrong, Justin, you do have a trade deficit. Uh, I didn't even know, he admits. I had no idea. I just said, you're wrong. You know why? Because we're so stupid. And I thought they were smart. I said, you're wrong, Justin. He said, nope, we have no trade deficit. I said, well, in that case, I feel differently. I said, but I don't believe it. He says, I sent one of our guys out. Uh, His guy, my guy, they went out. uh, Check, because I can't believe it. Well, sir, you're actually right. We have no deficit. But that doesn't include energy and timber. And when you do, we lose 17 billion a year. It's incredible. This is what Donald Trump was saying. So he's admitting that he was lying to the prime minister of Canada or at least making stuff up, did not know, admitting he had no idea whether we had a trade deficit or not, claiming that uh, Canada didn't know what they were talking about, that we do have a uh, trade deficit. Well, the office of the uh, Washington Post just reports straight in response. The office of the U.S. trade representative says the United States has a twelve and a half billion dollar trade surplus with Canada, a surplus. Uh, He also went into a blistering attack against other major U.S. allies Uh, One of them that caught my eye, and this whole article was amazing, but one of them that caught my eye was uh, he accused Japan. Again, another one of our top trading uh, allies here. He accused Japan of using gimmicks to deny U.S. auto companies access to their consumers. He said, quote, it's the bowling ball test. They take a bowling ball from 20 feet up in the air and they drop it on the hood of a car. Trump said of Japan, if the hood dents, the car doesn't qualify. It's horrible, he said. Washington Post notes, it was unclear what he was talking about. Yeah, it's not true. (laughs) It just is not true. It does not happen. Japan does not do that. Uh, He said he didn't even want Japan to pay the tariffs, but to build more automobiles in the U.S. He was talking about the uh, steel and aluminum tariffs. Uh, which the auto industry says is going to hurt them. Uh, yeah, It's a ahead. hell of a way to try to get Japan to put in more factories in the United States when you lie about them 
and what their their little bowling ball test, the bowling which ball is test. not true. <laughs> uh, he, he said that um, uh, that that Japan would, in fact, build more automobiles in the U.S. if the tariffs were imposed. Washington Post response: There is no evidence of such a possibility as of now. His comment, his comments they they had were among his most protectionist to date, and didn't identify a single benefit the U.S. receives from its trading relationships. So uh, good for the Washington Post for, uh, well, A, getting the uh, information in the first place, obtaining those tapes, but B, um, just speaking so directly to how Trump is making stuff up, is just lying. With impunity so far, I might add. And bragging about it, bragging to his own donors that he doesn't know anything. I think progress in uh, writing about this was just gobsmacked uh, by the pantheon of deceit that President Donald Trump has constructed in his brief civic career. Uh, And they they quote uh, Bella DiPaolo, a social scientist who has extensively studied liars and the makeup of personalities that regularly traffic in deceit. She said uh, Trump is unlike most of the people that she has researched. Quote, his lies are both more frequent and more malicious than ordinary people's. She wrote for The Washington Post uh, saying, by telling so many lies and so many that are mean spirited, Trump is violating some of the most fundamental norms of human social interaction and human decency. Many of the rest of us, in turn, have abandoned a norm of our own. We no longer give Trump the benefit of the doubt that we usually give so readily. That would include the Washington Post, and good for them. Uh, Such behavior, uh, Sam Fullwood writes, I think progress is reprehensible when discovered by, say, a spouse, a co-worker, or casual acquaintance, but for someone granted with the public's trust, gratuitous and simple-minded lying puts our society and all its norms at risk. And the guy is proud of it. He is bragging about it. All of this, of course, is just one reason why I describe what we are going through right now as a national uh, emergency and one that must be met with an appropriate response this November. Some news on that after a quick break. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. Blackbird singing in the dead of Take these broken wings and learn to fly all your life. 
were only waiting for this moment to arise. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Sad news on Friday. Congresswoman Louise Slaughter, a Democrat who represented the Rochester, New York area in Congress since 1987, died on Friday morning in a Washington, D.C. hospital. She was 88 years old and one of the longest serving women in the House of Representatives. She was serving in her 16th term. She fell ill at her Washington residence last week and was taken to George Washington University Hospital to receive treatment and monitoring for a concussion. She was recognized as a fierce legislator who blazed trails for other women to enter politics. Jamie Romeo, chair of the Monroe County New York Democratic Party, said she was a living icon for women from all walks of life who wanted to get off the sidelines and make a positive change in their community. She retained her southern accent long after her move from uh, from her native Kentucky. She was known to charm constituents and colleagues alike with a folksy manner. The progressive slaughter also was willing to step into the political trenches. Norm Ornstein, a resident scholar at the Conservative American Enterprise Institute and a friend of hers, said that slaughter refused to let her age slow her down. He said, what struck me most the last 10 years, as I get a little older myself and find I don't have quite the energy I once did, this was somebody that was just an energizer bunny, (laughs) feisty, and wouldn't take crap from people. I had, by the way, I had no idea that Louise Slaughter was 88 years old. Neither did I. I mean, she couldn't have been a day over 60 if I knew this man. Yeah, she, I mean, she was indeed feisty and a champion, a progressive champion for all sorts of things over the decades. No idea that she was 88 years old and uh, no idea that we were about to lose her. She chaired the powerful House Rules Committee, which determines how bills reach the floor for a vote from uh, 2007 to 2011. She was the only woman to ever hold that position. She also remained the committee's ranking member at the time of her death. Uh, Senator uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer said to Congresswoman Louise Slaughter was a giant. Another giant himself, civil rights icon and Congressman John Lewis of Georgia said in a statement, my heart is broken. For decades, Congresswoman Slaughter fought for those who were left out and left behind. And she gave voice, hope and comfort to those who felt alone, lost and abandoned. I vividly remembered working to break the cycle of violence against women with her and to stop discrimination based on race, income, religion, ability, region, gender identity or genetic information. Louise was a patriot and a hero, said John Lewis, a hero himself. Another heroic congresswoman, Barbara Lee of California, she emailed a statement uh, today reading in part, I am heartbroken over the passing of my dear friend and mentor. Louise was a fighter and champion for American working families for over 30 years. She was a trailblazer, the first woman to serve as the chair of the Rules Committee and the only microbiologist in Congress. Yep. She was a trailblazer. We could use more scientists in Congress. Most definitely. Uh, A lot more. Uh, Throughout her years of service, says Lee, she stayed true to the working families who who believed in her. She used her role as chair to fight for children, families, women, communities of color, those living in poverty. She served the public with fearlessness, fierceness, 
and a sense of humor. I will miss her dearly. This is a monumental loss for Congress, our country, and the world, says Lee. The list of uh, Slaughter's legislative accomplishments is lengthy. She authored the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act, or GINA, leading the bill for 14 years before it finally passed Congress and was signed into law by President George W. Bush in 2008. Uh, she uh, was instrumental in the passage of the Stock Act, which stands for Stop Trading on Congressional Knowledge. Essentially, that was the act to uh, at least begin to curb insider trading by members of Congress, which did not used to be illegal. No. In fact, her law led to disclosures about uh, former Health and Human Services Director Tom Price. Mm -hmm. Remember him? Yep. His controversial stock trades back when he was a House member and he had that he was privy to that confidential pharmaceutical industry information. That he uh, traded on and made a lot of on. money on, yep. apparently. Yeah, her bill led to those disclosures. She also co-authored the Landmark Violence Against Women Act. Uh, which she helped, which has helped reduce the uh, the cases of domestic violence by sixty seven percent. Yeah, since nineteen ninety four, uh, in two thousand and nine. By the way, she also brought the Affordable Care Act to the House floor for the historic vote. Uh, so she will be missed um, uh, by uh, Democrats, Republicans, and frankly Americans alike. A special election will be held to elect someone to serve out the rest of her term. Uh, which expires in January. Uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo in New York will set a date for that special election. In the meantime, the 2018 midterms, as you may have heard, uh, are already underway. And um, on that uh, news, we've got some cheerier news for Democrats. The Cook political, uh, political report on uh, Friday, a top nonpartisan election handicapper, shifted nine U.S. House races to more favorable for Democrats in this year's midterm elections. The new ratings, the new rating changes that were released on Friday come a few days after Pennsylvania's nationally watched House special election, where Democrats will likely have a uh, huge uh, upset in that uh, in that district in uh, Pennsylvania's 18th congressional district, one that Trump won by nearly 20 points. In 2016, Democrat Connor Lamb declared victory on election night. He leads the Republican in that race, Rick Saccone, by just 627 votes out of more than 128,000 cast. The New York Times has called it for Connor Lamb. The Associated Press still has not. But this was a huge swing in a deeply red district. And uh, that led uh, Cook political report political reports to uh, change some of their ratings to move them a little bit closer into the uh, Democratic zone. For example, some of the most notable ratings changes include three races that have shifted from lean Republican to now toss up. Those are seats held by uh, Republican Congress members Leonard Lance in New Jersey, Brian Fitzpatrick in Pennsylvania and Keith Rothfuss. In Pennsylvania, those were lean Republican districts. Now they are full toss ups. Other notable rating changes include uh, the shift from likely Republican to just lean Republican. For Congressman Steve Pierce's uh, open seat in New Mexico and uh, the special election to fill the seat vacated by Ohio Rep. Pat Tiberi. 
Congressman Am- Ami Beras, uh, California. De- he's a Democrat. His seat, which is a frequent GOP target, has also shifted from lean Democrat to likely Democrat. Ah. So it's all shifting over a bit, piece by piece, according to the uh, Cook Politico, Re- Politico report who follows this stuff uh, closer than anybody. There were also several seats that were already considered to be safe for Democrats, but that have tilted even more in the Democratic direction. Even safer. Yes, they have shifted from likely Democrat to solid Democrat. Those are seats uh, held by uh, uh, Representative Salud Carbajal. Carbajal? I don't know how to say it. I, I'm uh, too much of a Yankee to know. Uh, he's Democrat in California. And Charlie Crist, Democrat from Florida. I forgot that Charlie Crist is actually now a Democrat and that he's now in the U.S. House of Representatives. I had completely forgotten the that. The former Republican <laughs> governor. governor of Florida. Yeah. Uh, so his seat uh, moves from likely Democrat to solid Democrat, uh, as does Tom uh, Suozzi, a Democrat from New York. So some good news for Democrats there. And before we go, some uh, not quite as good, this, not quite as good news for uh, for Republicans. Uh, you know, Demo- the Democratic Party has had a glut of candidates running all across the country. They are, we've been reporting on how they're stepping up. We talked about uh, scientists yeah. and teachers are stepping up. All sorts of folks are stepping up to run. And frankly, the Democrat uh, Democratic Party is getting to the point where it's got a glut of candidates who are running. It's going to be a lot of primaries. And that could cause, in fact, some problems for Democrats here in California, where we have these terrible top two primaries, uh, which essentially means that all the candidates from all the parties run in one single primary and the top two vote getters then move on to compete head to head in November, even if they are from the same party. Which means that in some districts, some districts out here that could that are currently uh, you've got Republicans holding the seat, but it could easily tilt towards Democrats this year. Well, in some of those districts, there's a whole bunch of Democrats who are running to to get the nomination. And that means there may be too many Democrats running. And those Democrats, um, the support with that with that many Democrats, their support is going to be split up in these otherwise Republican districts in, in a way that means that none of the Democrats may qualify for the race this November. You might have two Republicans running against each other in the November election because there are so many Democrats trying to win in the primary. So so Democrats may undo themselves uh, with that embarrassment of riches, I, I suspect, in, in a number of places out here in California. Meanwhile, Republicans seem to be having the opposite problem. Nobody wants to run. The Clark County, Nevada Republican Party says that it will pay Nevada residents to run for public office due to the lack of conservative candidates in a number of districts in Nevada. They can't even get anyone who wants to run this year. Here's how this this letter went, this announcement went. As I'm sure you're aware, candidate filing is about to close and we're still short on candidates in many Senate and Assembly races. 
This came from the Clark County Republican Party. They wrote this in an email to donors and to supporters on Friday. Quote, to sweeten the pot, Clark County Republican Party is willing to put up $1,500 to reimburse the filing fee for the first Republican to file in any of these districts. They don't even care if they're any good. They're just, they'll pay the filing fee. The districts listed in the email include, these are state assembly, state assembly districts 1, 3, 6, 7, 10, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 34, and 42. They got no one who has uh, stepped up to run in those uh, districts. Also, state Senate districts 2, 10, and 21. They can't get a candidate to run. They are willing to pay them money. They are so desperate to get uh, candidates to, to run for this. Clark County Republican Party added today is the final day. We must have the candidates file before 4 p.m. Filing ends at 4 p.m. The first to file in these districts gets reimbursed their filing fee. Hurry. This is the last day. So uh, nearly all of these seats are currently held by uh, Democrats uh, in an email, by the way, to Think Progress, who reported this on Friday. Clark County Republican Central Committee Chair Carl Bruntz clarified that the funding for reimbursement is not coming actually from the Clark County Republicans. It's coming from a single donor. Wow. Who they failed to identify. <laughs> well, yeah. So, uh, you know, I wonder who that donor could be. Uh, I, I wonder why they didn't want to uh, reveal it. But they are buying Republican candidates right now. Uh, well, not anymore uh, after the uh, deadline on Friday. But uh, who knows why they didn't want to uh, identify that donor. Am I right? Las Vegas billionaire Sheldon Adelson? Just guessing. Just guessing. All right. We got to get out of here. More guesses on our next thrilling broadcast. Until then, Desi Doyen. Thank you. You're welcome. Our producer. Uh, and thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. Always glad to hear from you, even if I can't always respond, but I try. My email address, bradcast at bradblog.com. You can find, follow, and share us also on the Twitters and the Facebooks at the Brad Blog. And my thanks to those of you who stop by and sign up for a subscription of any amount you like, a monthly subscription uh, to the Bradcast. It's free, but we could use your support at bradblog.com slash donate, at least until Sheldon Adelson decides to give us $1,500 every time we open our mouths. Yeah, right. We may be waiting for a while. So thank you, bradblog.com slash donate. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.